You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast, and I'm your host, Lelada G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie May May and Lakeisha oh, Mama does. I'm not Mookie May May and Lakeisha uh, Mama. Tripping. A preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby, and his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl, if Chump don't want no help, Chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I, and I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. Nobody quite like Miss Ella Fitzgerald. My mama, my told me, um, and the song is really what is it? Blues something, midnight blues, blues something, blues. But anyway, she's singing about what her mama told her, and we're gonna be singing about what our mama didn't tell us and wish that she had. So um, joining me in the studio is my producer Alexandra. How you doing, Alexandra? Hello, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm. I'm Okay, I was really annoyed this week. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if we need to continue our pet peeve situation, but I can't even go into <laughs> another day. It. Yeah, another day because I always have a pet peeve, but really annoyed this week. But <laughs> but I'm good. I'm good. So um, today we are going to be talking about the topic of things I wish my mama had told me, mm. and um, I'm a little bit afraid since I'm your mama. And I don't know what you wish I had told you. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm going to find out, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I was on Facebook this week and um, any of y'all who know me, you know, I'm a Facebook queen. I love talking to folks about really important issues, silly things, funny things. But this week I had put up something about, um, Wanting to develop some questions and discussion guides to help black mothers talk to their black daughters and asking, you know, what are the things that is important to talk about? What are the topics that you think we should bring up, the questions we should ask and things of that nature? And we kind of went from that to a lot of the women saying that their mothers did not talk to them about some key critical issues. And 
it has kind of birthed this idea to bring this online to, f- to finish talking about this because I think it's a really important issue. As we're looking at creating new pathways and healing and going forward in our families and our communities, then we have to begin look at where some of the breakdown of information is where are the places and opportunities for critical conversations between mothers and daughters? How do we learn from the experiences, the mistakes, the regrets, the celebrations of our mothers before us if we do not talk about it, if we don't explore those issues, if we don't deal with some of the more difficult things? And so if you're out there listening, we would love for you to call in. We're talking about things that you wish your mama had told you. We want to hear your voice, but as well, we have a guest in the studio. We are joined by Miss Lenora Rodin. She is a, can I say how old you are? You don't look it. She is a 62-year-old wife, mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. <laughs> Y'all, you won't believe it. Look on the live <laughs> Facebook feed. This woman don't look like nobody's grandmama, certainly nobody's great-grandmama, but she looked like somebody's sweet thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she has one daughter, six grandchildren, six great-grandchildren. Wow. She, she's been living here in Madison for about 10 years, and she has worked with the Alzheimer's and dementia patients, and she's very happy at this stage of her life, which is wonderful. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. And for all future guests, let me just tell you that Ms. Rodin brought me in a beautiful bouquet of flowers, beautiful <laughs> bouquet of flowers. They're so lovely. Can you all see them over there? And a chocolate bar, a fancy chocolate bar. It wasn't the Snickers. Although I would have loved the Snickers too, but she brought me in a fancy chocolate bar. So I'm just saying, you don't have to bring me in anything. I'm going to tell you how my favorite guests act, okay? <laughs> so, again, I put it out there. I'm compiling a list of great conversation starters, questions, and topics for black mothers to discuss with their daughters to engage about their quality of life, experiences, hopes, and dreams. And so, um, women start replying, and what we did is kind of just took some of their replies and put them in categories. And so I'll start with just relationships. And within that, we're going to look at healthy relationships, unhealthy relationships, and we're going to look at sex as well, about the things that our mother did not tell us we wish she had told us, or she didn't tell us the right way, or she really told us good. So let's just talk about healthy relationships, which is just the key to quality of life in so many ways and not necessarily romantic relationships, friendships, family relations, and all of that nature is really, really key and crucial to being happy in life. So, um, let's talk a little bit about relationships. So some of the things people shared on Facebook was, you know, um, that it's okay to be single. Um, I have a couple young 20-somethings in the studio. Jillian is joining us as well. Hey, Jillian, how you doing? Hello, hello. So relationships, that it's okay to be single. Is there a lot of pressure for 20-somethings to be in a relationship, have a sweet thing? And and especially now with social media, everybody got to put their little boo thing up there um, and then have to take them down. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah there's a um i put a time stamp on you know when i'm posting you on my social media yeah but um i would say t- that the pressure to be married or be in a relationship um in a 20 something is more so comes from um the generation before mine so like mm-hmm. yes my mother um 
uh, my partner's mom, like a lot of faith, women in the faith community as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I'm not married yet. I'm not married yet. I'm Mm -hmm. however old and I'm still not married. And I'm waiting on their Boaz. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm good. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I find solitude refreshing, relaxing. Mm -hmm. I'm comfort. I like, I'm, I find comfort Mm. in my solitude. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we have a lot of people that are, uh, afraid of being lonely Mm -hmm. or think that loneliness is like some indicator that there's something inherently wrong with you. And it's it's not, it's it's absolutely not. It's nothing that I disagree with more. So, yeah. Alexandra, how about you? What, what did your mama tell you about relationship or you wish your mama had told you? Uh, well, I was definitely forced to to see a strong, independent woman as I grew up. <laughs> you were forced. <laughs> <laughs> Tied you down and glued your eyes open. <laughs> no, but I think that really helped to shape who I am and how I look at relationships, too. Kind of like Jillian was saying, just... I find comfort in solitude as well and in my independence and being able to do what I want and feel and mm-hmm. just having that space, but also knowing that it is okay to be in a relationship too. There's nothing wrong with that, but knowing that you got to be okay with yourself before that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Now, Miss Lenore, I love that we're having this multi-generational conversation. You know, what were the things that your mom talked to you or did not talk to you about, about relationships and love and things? Well, my mom, um, she really didn't talk to me about relationships. Mm-hmm. And what I seen in her relationships were very, very dysfunctional. Okay. So I've learned from my mom what I didn't want to have. Mm-hmm. And she shaped my idea of men at a very early age. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, he's not going to do this to me. And he's not going to do this. And mm-hmm. I'm not going for this. And yeah. mm-hmm. he can't put his hand on me. I'm gone. And right. so... I would say that the main thing that I learned in relationships with my mom is to learn how to relate, have a relationship with oneself mm-hmm. because you never know when you're mm-hmm. going to be alone mm-hmm. because you never know when that person that you're with just turns like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. And I'm the only child. So oh, okay. I learned how to have relationship with myself Mm -hmm. and by having different relationships throughout my life I learned what type of relationship I wanted and what type I didn't want yeah Mm -hmm. and that was a struggle yeah (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting my mom was born in the late 30s and um thankful to God that she's going to be celebrating her 78th birthday on Friday or Saturday. We can't quite figure it out. Friday. Like when she was born or when the midwife turned in the birth certificate. (laughs) She claims both the 10th and the 11th. So whichever. Um, But, you know, she did not talk to me about relationships. She didn't talk to me about sex. She didn't talk to me about any of that. And I'm like you, I gleaned a lot from what I did not want, from what she accepted in her life. But, you know, everybody is not that incisive. You know, um, everyone is not that, um, I don't know, have that ability to just learn from what you can see, but not what people actually tell you, you know. So I just, do you think for us, that 
the our mothers from that generation that their mothers did not talk to them too, and we just they just kind of passed that forward. Yeah, I believe that there wasn't a lot of conversation about being a woman back then. My mm-hmm. mother was born in the 20s, 1921. Okay. And her mother had like 13 kids. Oh, my. And I don't think that they sat down and talked about menstrual periods mm-hmm. and developed into a woman and when you can have a baby. She didn't have time. Mm-hmm. You know, she was too busy raising them kids and trying to right. make it Having meet. some more. Oh, my goodness. 13 kids? Oh, my grandfather, Ooh. he was a womanizer, oh. so she was trying to, you know, keep up with that. Mm-hmm. So I know that by my mother, I think the reason why my mother didn't talk, it's a few reasons why I think she didn't talk to me about it. But one is because she didn't know how to talk to me about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't know how to talk to me about it because it wasn't something that she had did with her mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when you're talking about 1920 and I'm talking about 1940, you know, my um, my grandmother's grandparents were slaves. And I'm sure that's true with for- my grandmother's parents were because slaves. But they came up here because they was going to lynch my grandfather. Oh, my God. Oh, and that's so a whole other story. Away. What? Yeah. So they ran away and they ended up here at Everston. Oh, my Lord. So, Wow. Um, did you want to, Ellie? Yeah, we have one of our uh, viewers on live, my girl Ari. Hey, Ari. Um, <laughs> she made a comment on one of the things she wished her mom would have told her. Um, and she says she wished her mom would have told her and showed her that there's more to life than men. Ooh. And um, that her mom needs to learn that herself. Yeah. And her grandma pointed it out to her a few weeks ago and it really stuck with her. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yes. So, wow. So, you know, I think... You can't teach what you don't know, for one thing. That's right. So sometimes the moms don't know, and they don't know that they don't know, or they know that they don't know, and they don't want to do what they need to do to know. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, going back to what my point was of talking about, for our our grandparents that raised our mothers, their grandparents were slaves. So you're coming out of this system. Where there's secrecy, like what you gonna tell? Who you gonna run and tell that master raped you? Raped. Who you gonna right. tell that master beat you? <laughs> they well, you better go on from here, you know, mm-hmm. because they don't want to be beat or raped. So it's like, so mm-hmm. we are products of this secret society of experiences that happened. Everybody knew they happened, but nobody talked about them, mm-hmm. and so that whole secrecy is. We're not so far from that that it doesn't impact us. And I think that still goes. And then in terms of what Ari was saying, you know, so much of our self-esteem has been wrapped up in whether or not you have a man, Mm -hmm. you know, and success and success. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, um, if you have seen bad examples of relationships and you haven't processed any of that, then you are doomed to often repeat what you've seen. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, what else you going to do? Right. What else do you know to do? Mm-hmm. You know, so you get and get stuck with that. Um, Felicia had shared that, you know, knowing what you deserve. Mm-hmm. So did any of y'all mamas talk to you about what you deserve? Like knowing your worth, mm-hmm. knowing what to expect from a relationship, what you should expect from a relationship type of thing. No, my mother never talked to me about that because her worth, 
she didn't feel that she was worth anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she showed that by her alcoholism. Okay. And um, her self she had skin cancer. Oh, my goodness. And her skin was like alligators, and it was turned, like, part was my color and part was, like, a white person's. Mm-hmm. And her self-esteem was so low that she felt like any man that accepted her wow. that she should take. Wow. And uh, she was just happy if someone just showed her any attention and loved her. Mm-hmm. And I remember growing up as a teenager, I used to feel like that, too, mm. that by me coming from the family I came from and my mother was an alcoholic and blah, 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 that I was lucky that someone would love me. Mm-hmm. But that changed. Yeah. How did you change that? Well. That's a big thing to turn around. By some of the things I do. I was I was using drugs. I was using drugs. And um, I stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I stopped using drugs, drinking, smoking marijuana, doing cocaine, my whole world changed. Mm-hmm. Because they say when you change, your whole world changed. Right. And so when I stopped doing the things that I was doing, another world opened up for me. Mm. And I started seeing things differently. And I started seeing myself worth. And I started seeing how important I was. Mm-hmm. To to me, mm-hmm. you know, and so once I realized that I was important to me, it really didn't matter to me whether a man or a person thought that I was important. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Now, sister, you said that so quick, but now how did you decide to stop using drugs? How, what was that journey for you? That journey was, um, why did I stop, decided that I wanted to stop using? I was tired. I was mm-hmm. sick and tired of being a sick and tired. And I remember I used to get high, and I would be in this place getting high with someone. And all of us, and this happens for years and years because I got high for like 15 years or so. And so I was in there, and I would always tell them, you better enjoy this because mm. I'm not going to be here with you any longer. I'm not going And they would always say, Lenore, where you going? And I would say, I don't know, mm. but I know one thing. God don't want me sitting here smoking crack with y'all. Wow. And mm. I would say that every time I got high. Wow. And um, one day I was sitting down. Well, I'll tell this story. I went to go get some drugs. And, and you know, I didn't want it to run out. So you go, you spend $20. Then you go, you spend $30. Now, you got this money, but you just bag it at a time, mm-hmm. right, to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And so this last, this time I went, I was walking down the street. And um, might as well say it. People think I'm crazy. That's okay. The tree told me, mm. you might as well go in and spend all your money because this is the last bag you're going to do because after you do this bag, you won't wake up tomorrow. Mm. My God. So I went home, fell asleep, woke up like, oh, my God, I'm alive. Mm. So I went to my gynecologist because I didn't know nothing about uh, NAAA halfway mm-hmm. houses or nothing. No one around me talked about recovering mm-hmm. or stopping. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I went to my gynecologist mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I'm smoking cocaine. Wow. And if I had to continue to smoke, I want to die. So they locked, they put me in this room. I didn't know the room was locked. Mm-hmm. They locked it. They kept me in there for about an hour, hour and a half, came back. He said, you know, I talked to my colleagues and they want me to put you in a crazy house, a nut house. Wow. But it's something inside of me, Lenore, that's telling me, you're not crazy. Mm. 
So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay for you to go to a, uh, um, a hospital. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the bill. Oh, my God. You're just going to stay there until you can find a place of recovery to go to. And I'm telling them not to let you out wow. until you can find this place. And that was September the 17th. 1995. Wow. And I haven't looked back. Wow. That is amazing. That's amazing. So, when you get clean, you just have a, I just have a different Mm -hmm. way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a relationship with me. So, Mm -hmm. I don't look forward to, I am married, but I was, I wasn't married for a long time. Mm -hmm. I was, with my grandkids and we were living together and, you know, um, I just held out and eventually God sent me my husband and that's the man that I'm with now. Wow. That is Mm. powerful, sister. We're talking about relationship. We just heard a really powerful, powerful story of recovery and making a decision to reclaim a life by Miss Lenora. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's beautiful. Look, honey, I don't care if a tree, a dog, a shoe, talk to you to help you make that decision amen thank you jesus okay (laughs) (laughs) so um let's talk about our healthy relationships so one of the comments on facebook was from nestic about struggle love Mm. and i said girl and basically she was saying that we need to talk to our daughters about love doesn't have to be a struggle Mm -hmm. you know there's this whole kind of expectation that you're supposed to be this ride or die chick Mm -hmm. okay you said that's a straight up lie (laughs) to validate that relationship right Right. that somehow you not in there you something wrong with you that you want to get off the crazy roller coaster right you know so what do y'all think about struggle love jillian uh you heard me (laughs) I do not believe that it is a woman's job to build a man up in ways that his mother was supposed to build him up. My God. Let me make you sure make him better. Job. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> but build him up. That is not your responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. You are not obligated to stay with a man who was doing whatever to whoever, whenever he can, mm. because you think that he got potential and he going to make it one day. So you got to stay down for him to realize that you, that you the one for him because you stayed down for him. Mm. Mm. I'm not, I'm not about to wait on you. Wow. That's not going to be my journey. Wow. And you know, they glorify people who do it. Mm-hmm. Like, Everybody know Keish K or Gucci just got, right. you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. married. And that's cool. And that was for her, but it's mm-hmm. not for me. <laughs> and it's okay if it's not for you. Like, right. I, I'm absolutely not bashing the women who want to stay with their men. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think that there's a difference between having to raise a man and yeah. then, you know, going through things with a man that y'all experience together right. as a couple. Right, right. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? There's a difference. And I feel like that line is blurred, mm-hmm. Very especially weird. within yeah. my generation. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Uh, you're going you to draw that line in with a big old fat black permanent the thick marker. Sharpie. Okay. <laughs> Alexandra, what about you? This whole idea about struggle love. Do you see some of your friends kind of get caught up in that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely one of those things. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of it comes down to 
seeing what your your mom went through or your grandma went through, and like you said, just repeating what you see, mm-hmm. or just the idea that you have to go through so much for your love to be validated, for it to be true love, or, right? But I ain't the one either, so <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to do it. <laughs> yes, oh my lord, um, Miss Lenore. What are your thoughts about that struggle of and that that whole idea of raising? Well, let me put it to you like this: of raising somebody else's son. But I think for us more mature women, you know, you said you got married. Um, we're looking for something else. Like when you was twenty something, like I want to believe in your hopes and your dreams. I want to build together. I want to, you know, we'll get setbacks. We'll sleep with no furniture, you know, all the kind of stuff. But then when you get a little older, you're not looking for nobody struggling or their love to be struggling. Miss Lenora, what are your thoughts? You know, I I can't do the struggle. (laughs) Was the the struggle real? I I can't do the struggle. (laughs) I I can empathize with the struggle, but I can't do the struggle. No, I believe that um, they have a saying, two halves make a whole. But I say to that is, yeah, two halves make a whole in a mathematical equation, mm. not in life. Oh, come two on Two holes make a whole. Well. Mm-hmm. See, because if if I'm a half and you a half, we still just two half of human beings. Yeah. And I'm not trying to raise you, teach you, give you what you need, what you want. You should have all that together when we meet. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found in my husband. You know, we wasn't searching for our other halves. We had mm-hmm. both of our halves together. For real. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I ain't mad at you. So, no, I ain't with the struggle. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't struggle. Yes. Like okay, mm-hmm. we have a call from Ron. Hi, Ron. Uh, hi, I just turned off the radio so it doesn't feed back. Okay, I wrote this out so I would read it correctly. Okay. Quote, I wish my mom had clearly told me, parentheses, and other siblings separately and privately, close parentheses, exactly who my and their, quote, biological father, close quote, was. Mm. Not hint at adultery in that explanation about polygandry exclamation point that's what mm-hmm. i wish i knew for cl- sure wow. thank you thank you so thank much you. ron for your call you know um brave caller to talk about something i could tell that is a very you know personal and hurtful <coughs> excuse me thought i feel like as a human being that every person has the right to know who their biological parents are. Every person has the right to know that. Any thoughts on that, ladies? Um, <clears throat> I can relate. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the My father, the man who raised me, um, is, and is absolutely my father in every single way. Mm-hmm. I did not find out until I was like 16, though, that that was not my real dad. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I first brought it to my mom, because it was my aunt who told me, and, oh, won't um, they do that? Yeah, especially like at funerals <laughs> and weddings. And I people came start home, talking, right? <laughs> and I came home, and I'm like, so, <laughs> so my auntie told me this, and Ooh, she was furious. I she bet. was furious. She denied, 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 and it was not until a year later, wow, that we revisited that conversation, 
and she told me like yeah well yeah you know she was actually telling the truth that's not wow your and, and the man that is supposed to be my biological father passed away when i was in like eighth grade wow she was so so you never got that I chance never had that chance wow um, i never had that chance and i'm still Ooh. not sure you know like right i'm i got i have alleged siblings but mm-hmm. you know we don't know for sure because wow it was just it was not talked about it was not something that was covered so everybody yeah. knew but me but you uh, but worse but thank you auntie but, yeah. for letting me <laughs> for correcting my wrong thinking you know? you know i did not know that this is true confessions i did not know who my biological father was until man i was like somewhere between eight and ten i'm not really sure how old i was i always thought that Alexander G. Sr. was my biological father. My name was G. We go visit him. I see the aunties and the cousins. Nobody ever treated me differently, you know, in terms of that. So I did not know. And um, some kind of way it came up with my biological father. And my mother was like, well, I thought you always knew. Uh, He was born knowing. (laughs) Why would I know that? Like, you never said, so-and-so, so-and-so is your father. So-and-so, so-and-so is not the father, right. you know? So, I'm like, how was I exactly, exactly supposed <laughs> to know that situation? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's something that some moms keep real close to their chest. And, again, I feel like that is something that um, you have the right to know. If you want to know, you need to know who your mom and who your daddy is, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, the struggle is the struggle is real. <laughs> but it don't have to be that real. I was yes, like, oh, so, <laughs> um, okay. Do, do you all think that mothers tell their sons different things than they tell their daughters? And what yes. is the quality of that difference? Miss Lenora, what do you think? Yes, I believe... Um, because I told my grandson different things that I did my granddaughter. Why is that? Because my grandson is boys, young men grow up to be men. Yeah. So I figure they have to know. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, right? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And ding, I ding. wanted them to know some things that I felt was important for him to know as a man. And my mm-hmm. granddaughter, too. Yeah. Like about birth control, about having children, about finishing school, which I told both of them about finishing school. But the conversation is a little different mm-hmm. between boys, I believe, and girls. So, like, what were some of the differences? Like some of the differences with my grandson. You know, I know you're feeling yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going to be out there and you're going to... um wear protection and don't be having babies floating all everywhere and Mm -hmm. get a job you a man you got to take care of yourself ain't nobody gonna take care of you well with my granddaughter it was go to school um be someone don't depend on a man to take care of Mm -hmm. you and things like that Mm -hmm. jillian do you feel like your mother told you and your sisters things differently than she told your brother um absolutely Absolutely. And um, I would say 
that it doesn't just manifest in what things that she did, uh, things that she said verbally, but things that she did as well. Um, You know, like designating certain house chores Mm -hmm. to certain people Mm -hmm. or the fact that uh, she threw me and my sister on birth control. Like when I graduated eighth grade, like (laughs) that wasn't a decision. It happened. Like it was like, y'all going to the doctor. This is going to happen. And I don't know if I've ever heard her like talk about safe sex with my brother at all interesting um, if she did that was a conversation that i was not around for but she didn't mm-hmm. give him no box of condoms at least nah, none of that happened Dang. um mm. but we had him we had wow. him in addition to being on uh birth control so um yeah for sure <laughs> definitely um even in a way that curfews you know like we got to be in at a certain time my brother could stay out and do whatever for a little longer you know she was like more lenient with him um spending the night over people's house he could stay we had to go home interesting Um, so things like that uh yes very interesting i don't think i want to ask alexandria if her mother said different (laughs) things to her than she did to her brother we we know she did (laughs) such as what everything jillian listed majority of what she said no, but you just, it's because, I mean, especially being black and living in a city like Madison, you just have different expectations and concerns and worries. Yeah. Especially yes, as a black male, right? That's completely different than raising a black woman. True. And the different concerns that they have. True. In a city like this, especially, and just, I think it just depends on the people, too. I mean, if you're more mature, then like Jillian was saying, you might have a later curfew or what? I think it just depends mm-hmm. on the, the people, too. But now I did talk about safe sex now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I said that you, uh, majority. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, she did. Listening audience, I just want to be clear <laughs> with you all that I <laughs> can't <laughs> talk to my kids about watch where you put your dang dang and wang set. Oh, yeah, she did. She yes, always did. do, man. Yeah. Secrets. Yes. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know I did. <laughs> Everything. But, you know, I think there is a different way that black women and black men operate in the world and i think that there yes. are mm-hmm. um ways that we try to protect you yes. know and and up until even with this whole black lives matter i felt like my son was more at risk yes. than my daughter was exactly. until you start seeing the black women that were being shot and killed yes. and um supposedly hanging themselves with a garbage bag in their sales and whatnot i'm like come on y'all stop playing you know so that there is more of a situation um, that, you know, you think, I don't know. All right. So, Alexandra, what are some things that your mama did say? <laughs> you better said, make it good, too. Things. Oh, God. I'm scared. <laughs> uh, for one, she made it clear that she was not our friend. I'm not your little friend. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Had to open up with that one. <laughs> So there was no confusion. I like that. I don't care how much I play around with you, how much we laugh and joke. At the end of the day, I'm not your friend. <laughs> so that was clear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, like uh, 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 and uh, one of her favorite quotes by oh, Maya Angelou. Oh. Uh, it's not, uh-oh, it's a good thing. Oh, okay. uh, the one when she uh, says, when someone shows you who you are, believe them. Believe them, oh, yes. baby. And we still talk about that one today. Yeah, It's still very... Uh, accurate and yes. <laughs> necessary um not everybody needs to know everything mm-hmm. 
Okay. <laughs> Being selective and smart with who you share certain things with. Right. Because right. you can get confused in Madison with that growing up with the majority culture that may share a lot of stuff and be like, look, don't you be up at that school talking about all your business? Shoot. (laughs) You better keep some stuff close to you. Right. (laughs) For real. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you'd like to share, miss? Uh, I'll reiterate, she did talk about safe sex. (laughs) And And checking in and just being clean. (laughs) Yeah. I remember uh, one thing that I definitely passed down for my mom, for my grandmama. My grandma used to always say this. You don't have to talk just because you have a mouth. Yeah, that My too. Lord, that will <laughs> humble you because sometimes you feel like you do have to talk just because you have a mouth. Mm-hmm. My God, my God. Our time is going through. Let me just read a little bit from this list, too. Some of the other things that women were sharing were, of course, talking about safe sex and sexuality, talking about finances. Mm. Talk about Okay, mm-hmm. you know, the importance of credit and how to pay your bills that you need to pay your bills and stop putting the lights in Mookie and May Main's name and stuff like that, <laughs> oh you know, talking about mental health and self-love, mm-hmm. you know, and, and working on those things. Um, so why did you all as an agency or organization decide to support other, particularly um, people of color led agencies in this way? Well, I think that as a social justice organization that is mostly uh, led by white people Mm -hmm. and uh, after making efforts to recruit more organizations working on racial justice and Mm not uh, successfully being able to do that for a variety of reasons, we determined that we needed to do more to uh, address uh, our... uh, deficit, I guess, Mm -hmm. in addressing racial justice. And so back in 2016, our past executive director, Crystal Anders, came up with the idea to uh, focus on groups outside of the traditional membership of Community Shares. Um, Community Shares is a membership-focused organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we decided that uh, in order to be able to more effectively address racial justice, we needed to look outside of our membership. And so we uh, started the Inspiring Voices program back in 2014. We featured four different groups then. And as Bria mentioned, we are featuring two different groups this year. All right. And what are ways that you really want the community to respond and how can they support this campaign that we have going on in November? Well, the main thing that we're looking to do is raise funds and raise awareness Mm -hmm. and to help build community around uh, racial justice issues and specifically for the latest living room, uh, helping the community understand that uh, to effectively understand sexual violence and domestic violence against all women, we have to be specific in understanding sexual violence and domestic violence against women of color, and that uh, we can't be effective at addressing those issues unless we're specific about that. Absolutely. And so um, this is an opportunity for us not only to uh, build awareness about your specific organization, but to build awareness about the issue in general and to help the community understand how far we have to go to be effective as uh, social justice advocates that we really need to be specific. Wonderful. Okay, we're going to take a call from Joseph from Milwaukee. Hi, Joseph. Hello, Joseph. 
We're going to put him on hold and see if we can get him back to the phone to figure that out. Um, so we're talking about um, the things that we wish our mothers had told us and um, what some of those things would be important. One of the, the topics was success. So um, Felicia shared about pursuing non-traditional careers, broadening horizons, um, helping them to know how do you overcome if you have fallen? How do you get back up to have success? Valerie shared, who would you like to receive it from and who would you like to be welcoming you in terms of the things you want in your life for goals and things of that nature? Tiara shared about asking for help. And so... Um, we're going to see if we can get Joseph on. And then, ladies, I'm going to ask you that question. Joseph, are you with us? Hello? Hi, Joseph. This is Alayda. Miss G? Yes. Um, yes. I wrote a manuscript, a book manuscript called The Prisoner and the Princess. Yes. For my daughter. Um, listening to your show, I read a lot of books by black women, my Angelou, Susan Taylor. And listening to your show has increased my sensitivity towards the struggles of young black girls. Yes. Uh, with emphasis on young black young young black girls growing up in you know, in the struggle. Right. This what? is this is I heard you speak before too when I was at Fox Lake. But this is an excerpt from my book. It's just a few paragraphs. I would like to share it with you. How about you share a few lines? Alright, alright. It's a uh princess, take this for what it's worth. Never outsource your happiness to a boy, a pair of shoes, a purse, a thing. Boys will come and go. Your sense of feeling good about who you are can't come and go with them. Oh. Then you will be dependent on a boy, on a relationship, on something outside of you to make you feel complete and happy. You are the prize. You are the blessing. Keep that in mind and know what makes you happy outside of others. Know that God made you complete and whole already. And I don't know if I ever told you this before. Okay, I have. But I'm telling you again. Your smile is more beautiful than anything you can wear. I haven't saw anything more beautiful and probably never will. Oh, That's just a small excerpt. Joseph, thank you so much, and it's good to talk with you. I appreciate that you're listening. I appreciate that you are um, tuning in to the fact that, as well as we're talking about things that we wish our mother had told us and things our mother did tell us, that there's so much that girls need to hear from their dads and that's one reason we have to do the work that we do because dads are not building up their daughters and so they're looking for love in all of the doggone wrong places so um bria are there any things that you wish that your mom had told you um or any key things that she did tell you that helps guide your life yeah i feel like my mom taught me a lot about trust Mm. and who i should trust and like it's similar to somebody was talking about this earlier, but sort of um, the idea of not telling everyone everything. My mom was mm-hmm. very much about that, and mm-hmm. it was it, it was really ingrained in me. And something I commented mm-hmm. on your thing was that I do wish that I had learned more about like emotional manipulation and yes. emotional abuse because I think that um, while I do feel like I learned to like guard myself and protect myself, I didn't learn all the warning signs for like being emotionally manipulated by mm-hmm. friends or partners that like mm-hmm. is that and that's something that I like that's something that I needed and yes. I'm like let me pass this on to as many people as possible because we don't always have that information absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely I appreciate that Sherry well it's it's very interesting I you're asking me the same question yes what, 
I grew up in a very traditional uh, rural uh, family and with uh, my mom, I mean, basically the messages I received were that I was attached to a man and mm. that um, my success was attached to whatever man I was mm. with. And I don't remember her saying that explicitly, but those were the messages and mm-hmm. that was the that was the reinforcement that I received. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was because she's a bad mom. It's just because that's what she knew in, in her world and the world that was in front of her. Mm-hmm. That's what was uh, available. Those mm-hmm. were the options mm-hmm. that were available. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I received very little <laughs> in the way of protecting myself yeah. from those situations. I received very little in the – I mean, she always uh, supported me uh, – with money to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, it was a very traditional upbringing. Yeah. Not a lot of, I'd never got the sex ed talk. I never, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> very got, I love my mother. mother. <laughs> yeah. We, are, we love you, mom. She did the but, best she could. <laughs> but it's like, nobody's mother talked to them about sex. No, it's like, not there's at all. hardly anybody that I speak to that says, the young or old that says my mom talked to me about sex. And so, you know, the work that we're doing with black girl lit is really working with these young ladies and my experience of the young ladies and looking at working at prevention of, of suicide is that 90% of them have been sexually abused. And so you're dealing with these girls who are struggling with these issues. And one of the issues that they said really contributes to young folks considering suicide to feel like their parents are not there for them. They're not available for them. Now that doesn't mean that their parents aren't necessarily not there for them. For some kids, that is absolutely very true, but it's the feeling that they're not there, their, their perception. And so, um, as we are building up these young ladies, we're also building relationships. That they and building new on. norms and building yes. new ways of being in the yes, world. Absolutely. Because we, our parents, knew what they knew. Right. And the the life that I have is significantly more equitable than the life that my mom had. But Mm -hmm. yeah, there's uh, a lot we have to unlearn. Absolutely. Not just about gender, but obviously about race as well. And that we're and then race and gender. Race and gender together. And race <laughs> and, and gender and socioeconomic status. And, and LGBT issues. So many things. <laughs> yeah. And so one of the categories we came out was self-love. And some of the questions or comments that people shared were, what do you love most about yourself? Um, what do you love about yourself and why? How do you view yourself? Which is really key. How do you see yourself your experiences, what life can bring you, what you can't have and can't have. How do you think I view you? Which I think a lot of times we as daughters want to know how our mothers view us, you know, what they think about us because we take their opinion very deeply. Do you respect yourself? I'm like, if I could snap real good, oh, I did all right. You know, do you respect yourself? Because when you have that self-respect, you know, that is something that you can push forward. And that is something that we are really pushing with the young ladies that we work with. Self-respect, self-love, self-understanding, self-kindness, and self-forgiveness. And I love this question because this is deep. One mother shared, Antoinette, do I reflect the kind of woman you would strive to be? Why or why not? Mm. Now, you got to have a lot of um, courage 
to ask that question, but more so to have it answered by your daughter. So if you all are out there and you're interested in supporting the campaign that we are running with the support of Community Shares, you can visit GoFundMe.com forward slash Black Girl Live and you can read more about the work that we are doing and see if this is something that you want to support, that you want to share and pass on to other other people as well. Um, did any of your mothers talk to you about like loving yourself, accepting yourself? You good? Yeah. Yeah, give me a high five, baby. Yes, all right. I said give me a high five, and she gave me the fist pound. Okay. (laughs) Didn't your mama tell you when somebody say high five, you give me a high five? Oh. (laughs) Um, You know, and why do you all think that that conversation might have been absent about self-love from your mothers? What I believe is because they didn't have it for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I know, I my family would always get mad at me because every time I see someone that was pretty or look good or dress good, a woman, I'd be like, "You, oh, you look so good! Look at that outfit." And my cousins would be like, "Why do you always say that? Everybody you see, you tell them they look good." Mm-hmm. And then I wrote a poem. I wrote a poem in 2014 called yeah. "Why Not Tell You," and it was mm-hmm. about all the things that. I felt if I was told mm. how it could have changed my life, why not tell you that you're beautiful? Wow. Why not tell you that you're worthy? You know, yes. so um, I always think of, well, my mother didn't tell me the things that I needed or wanted to hear mm-hmm. because she didn't have it herself Wow, to tell. Wow. So now I do my best to say, hey, sister, you know what, girl, you're looking good. <laughs> no, you know? I love that. And so um, we'll wrap up with that whole idea of yeah. why not tell you. And thing. we will be looking at ways that we can tell so many girls that they're wonderful, that they are lovable, yes. and that they deserve the best. So visit GoFundMe.com forward slash black girl That was a good conversation. And look, we mean this thing. We are not playing. We are committed to defending black girls. And look, we want you to get involved. Please visit Lalata.org to explore the work that we are doing to defend black girls to be safe wherever they are. And look, while you're there, please sign up for our mailing list so that you will not miss one single fearless conversation.